welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 7th of January 2018, entitled Servants to Righteousness unto Holiness, Part 1. And the Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 23. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to be opening your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. I was explaining to Brother Neil, this didn't really begin this way, but, I, you know, it's hard. If you get me in Romans, it's hard to get me out of Romans. But uh, last Sunday morning, for we thank God for the seven that were baptized, and uh, we thank the Lord for adding them to our church family here at Bethel. And, of course, we, we looked into Romans chapter 6, and that's where we began looking. And then if you were here Last Sunday night for the New Year's Eve service, we picked up a couple of more verses from there because I felt like I couldn't stop with where I had Sunday morning. Uh, God willing, this morning and this evening, we're going to still be in this chapter trying to pick up a few other things as we embark upon our journey into a new year. So we're going to begin with our reading from Romans chapter 6. So uh, Romans chapter 6, I'm going to uh, invite you to stand as we read God's Word. I'm going to read these 23 verses. Please let God speak to you as we read them, and then we'll be looking to make a few comments on them. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus, into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace." What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, 
His servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when we were the servants of sin, when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you're now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin, and become servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his holy word. Amen. As I stated last Sunday morning when we looked at this passage I came here for a couple of reasons, and that was because, of course, as Brother Olu and his family were to be baptized, I knew that it was a passage that he loved dearly and that God had used to speak to his heart about the importance of not only having been baptized by the Holy Spirit, which is the primary teaching in this chapter here when we're baptized into Jesus Christ, but the importance of that outward showing of that in the baptism in water. And of course, as we looked there, we simply talked about this fact of being baptized into Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches us in these verses that we looked at that if we are baptized into Jesus Christ, and, and, and here's the thing, folks, there's three words. They're not original with me. They're not even original with, with other preachers that have preached them. I even heard another preacher get in this pulpit one time and use these three words after I'd used them some years before, and I thought, is he copying my message? But no, three words in this passage because God first gave them to us. And God is the one that gave them to us in this package. And what we looked at last week was some things that we needed to know. We needed to know. You know it in your mind. You know it from God. We talked about that in the Bible study time this morning. The knowledge that matters is the knowledge that comes from Him, from the Word that He breathed, that He gave to us, that He inspired, that He's preserved for us. That's the knowledge that matters. And in that knowledge, we saw last week that if we are going to, you see, our thought today is servants to righteousness unto holiness. We're beginning a new year. This is our first Sunday of 2018. You will yield your life to somebody and some things throughout this year. This passage, we could spend weeks and months here in this one chapter of God's Word alone. But it talks about the fact that we used to be something that was totally unrighteous. Each and every one of us as sinners. 
But when God does that work in our lives, you need to know if you're ever going to live a life that is pleasing to God, we get afraid of this term holy living sometimes. Folks, we're not talking about sinless perfection because we don't have that sinless body yet. But you don't have to live your life unto unrighteousness. You can live your life unto righteousness, unto holiness for him that Christ can be seen in your life. No, we're not perfect, but we're not that same person. And he says we've got to begin that journey. We have to know something. We have to know that you've been baptized into Christ. Not that you've been baptized in the water. Not that you've become part of some local church. Not that you're doing some one, two, three, four, five that somebody has told you. You have to know that's a mental ascent. You've got to have the knowledge of knowing, knowing that any of us, if we are baptized into Jesus Christ, we are baptized into his death. You need to know you've been baptized into Christ, not just into water. But you see, if you have been baptized into Christ, then he said here that we looked at last week that you have been baptized into his death. You died with him on the cross over 2,000 years ago if you were baptized into him. But... If you were baptized into him, that old man is dead. You were resurrected unto life through his resurrection. It's impossible to be buried with him and not be raised with him. Realize that old man is dead. We sang about it a while ago. Those sins were nailed to the cross in full, every one of them in Jesus Christ. Know today is a child of God that you've been baptized into Jesus Christ, and if baptized into him, you're baptized into his death, and if you were baptized into his death, then you were raised in him, the newness of life, in the likeness of his resurrection. And folks, if that is the case, know for a fact, first of all, that if that happens, that body of sin has been destroyed. That body of sin, sin no longer reigns in your life. Yes, I know, it's sad how we still see it in the flesh, but it no longer has control. You see, before you became a child of God, you didn't have any option but to sin. You couldn't help but sin. That was your nature. That was what was natural to you. I said last week, I'm not trying to mess around with words. I've used the term myself in the past about the two natures warring against each other. But I think sometimes that's maybe not as clear a picture as what we mean it to be. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that there ought to only be one thing that's natural for you. Sin should never be natural for a Christian. It's still there, but you should have a new nature. That old man is dead, the Bible says here. He's no longer there. I believe your new nature is warring against your old flesh. It's the flesh that the battle is against. Jesus Christ reigns within you. Jesus Christ is the one that is in your heart that lives, that should be controlling your life. You see, the Bible says that body of sin, if you have been baptized into Jesus Christ, then you were baptized into his death and you were raised like him to newness of life, that body of sin being destroyed and that death has no power over the believer and if no power over the believer, no power over you. He died once. He rose, 
and he lives. He lives under God. He's there on high right now. And we can look at many things, but we looked there last week, and I, I want us to move on and notice what it says here in verse 11. With those things that we've seen in those first 10 verses, likewise, not only must there be a knowledge, a knowing of those facts, because that's, that's what it's all based upon. That's the foundation. That's the truth that it's all built upon. But I want you to notice a couple of things here. Notice that all those things were talking about us and we. Those things are true for every child of God, for everyone that puts their faith in Jesus Christ. You can't be a Christian without knowing those things in your life, without those facts being absolute knowledge. You can only be a child of God by being baptized into Jesus, into his death, into his resurrection, that newness of life, that body of sin being, being dead and being no more. Folks, he says, likewise, as we know that, reckon ye also yourselves. He's getting much more personal here now. All of you know that you yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. In other words, you better know that you've died with Jesus, that that old man is dead. He was nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. You're alive in Jesus today. But you, as an individual, you need to reckon this. You see, reckon is different I know that a lot of times when I was growing up, it was just uh, one of those old southern, you ask somebody, you know, if, if, if they know this or if they know that, if they're going here or they're going there, and a lot of times they say, I reckon, which means, you know, maybe, possibly, somehow, somehow. That's not what it means here. <laughs> we find that he says, as you know those things, I want you to know those things, but I want you to reckon some things. You see, you can know something and know it as a fact, but to reckon it as something that you know something is true. You can know a fact and not know whether it's true or false. First of all, to reckon it, you've got to know that it's true, that it's real. Day by day, you've got to, to consider it. It means literally to count something or to number something. You've got to know these facts, but you've got to count them and number them and make it, make it personal. You see, it moves from just a knowledge in the head to what's happening in your heart. Everything that matters with God happens in the heart. I can give you a couple of instances. If you look into the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, and notice, notice what he says there in verse 37. Luke 22, 37, he says, For I say unto you, that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. He was reckoned among the transgressors. He was counted amongst them. He was numbered amongst them. It became personal. It became real to him. It passed beyond that knowledge. A knowledge that we can all know. We can all know the facts. But it's something that you have got to reckon in your heart. That was Jesus' words as he spoke to them at the, at the Last Supper. And, of course, he is referring back to that great passage in, in Isaiah chapter 53. 
When he says there in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 12, he says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. That's prophetic of Jesus Christ. When he was dying on the cross in your place, you better know that you died there with him, that you've been raised to him, that your life is in him and in him alone. But you need to reckon in your own heart. You need to number yourself. You need to count yourself. You need to make it personal. Yes, that's true of everybody out there. But has it become personal to you to number yourself, to count yourself dead indeed unto sin? Not just as some fact, some theological, spiritual fact in God's Word, but reckoning in your own heart. Have you counted yourself? Have you numbered yourself? Have you put yourself personally there that you reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin? You see, words are, I guess, used commonly in the sense of totally affirming something. You can know a fact. But once you start counting yourself as part of that, as knowing it to be real to you, there's a lot of different writers that have pointed things out here. John MacArthur says this about this, this point in Scripture. He says that to help us this reckon or considering it can be advantageous to note a number of reasons why that believers often find it difficult to comprehend that they are freed from sin's bondage. You see, it's one thing to know what the Bible says about it. But what he's saying, in reality, as believers a lot of time, we can find it very hard to make that thing personal. Why do believers find it hard? Why is it something that's not a reality? Well, Sadly today, because some have never heard it because they don't spend enough time reading the Word of God to know what God has said about it. And many times they're not in places where the Word of God is being taught or preached anyway. So some people don't know this about their lives because, because they've never been taught it from God's Word. Some have been wrongly taught. Some have been taught that somehow, you know, I hear the excuse all the time, you know, I couldn't help it. The devil made me do it. <laughs> we want to blame the devil for everything. Well, I got news for you. You're probably not important enough to the devil for him to spend a whole lot of personal time with you. The problem is, is your old flesh itself, which, yes, is contaminated by sin, is contaminated by it, it results from who Satan is, but we are our worst on enemies a lot of times. Sometimes it's wrongly, wrongly taught that 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 we don't realize that we think that somehow we can't overcome sin in our life, that we will always do that. I was told something very young in my Christian life, and it kind of hit hard, but every sin that you commit, every sin you've ever committed, you chose to do it. Every sin that you ever commit, you choose to do it. You don't have to do it. God didn't program and make you to where you had to sin. 
Matter of fact, he tells us that with every temptation that comes along, he gives us a way of escape. We don't have to sin. That's wrong to begin to think that you have no choice, that there was no way that you could keep from doing that. Don't ever try to make God the author of sin. He's not the author of sin in your life or anybody else's life. Some believe Satan's lies that he and sin is still their master, making Christians believe that somehow Satan still has some kind of control or power over you. Look, he is the prince of this world. He is a vicious enemy. He's very real. You need to know your enemy. But don't ever believe the lie that he has control of you still, that he has control of your life still. Some people have difficulty because of a lack of emotional or physical experiences. I, I generally, in, in talk with people many times, I've, I've had people become, Pardon me, because they've read about somebody else's experience or they've heard somebody else's testimony and how this experience took place in their life and how that they were, you know, maybe miraculously removed from this or that or something else because they have lacked some kind of an experience, some kind of an emotional thing in their life. They don't think that they've got it because it didn't happen like it happened to somebody else. Folks, you're not anybody else. He's getting personal here. There are facts that are known that about theology and about Christianity and about our salvation that are facts for all of us, and we need to, to know those things, these things about being baptized into Christ and baptized into his death and therefore baptized into his resurrection and therefore dead being sin and being raised to a new life. Those are facts. But this is getting personal with you. Have you counted yourself there? Are you believing the lies of the devil? Are you believing something that's been taught wrongly? Or is it simply because you haven't spent enough time trying to find out what God will really do in your life? One of the most common reasons that Christians find it hard to believe that they can really be freed from sin, that they can somehow be freed from this tyranny while they're still here on this earth is because of the continual battle with sin. <laughs> they find it hard to believe that this can be because they're constantly having to, to fight against sin in their life and because sometimes they're not succeeding in winning. You see, it is true that we can be strongly tempted, folks, but we don't have to suck them to it. We don't have to give in to it. Paul's answer is here in verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Is that where you're really counting yourself? Dead to the old person. Dead to sin. Alive unto Christ. Are you counting yourself? That it's Christ that's alive in you. The power of his resurrection is the power that lives and dwells within you today. Yes, the old man was there. And yes, the old man was in control. And he had control of your life. But if you have died with Jesus Christ and been raised with him, then you need to start counting yourselves there with him, not under the tyranny of that sin. You're not under control 
of sin any longer. It's still present in your flesh. It's still there. You see, we got to realize living the Christian life is not some kind of a mind game. Now, I've been taught some of those mind games. I was taught some of them in, in, in good universities by good people and and, you know, all this whole, the power of positive thinking. And, yeah, I mean, I, I like an optimist rather than a pessimist most of the time. You know, I like to realize everything is possible with God. Nothing is impossible with Him. But too many people carry those things to awful extremes and whatnot. I'm not talking about some kind of a mind game here. We're moving beyond the mind to your heart. You see, in the mind, you've got to know that this is the way it works. This is what happens when you genuinely get born again. But then it has to come to that point to where you personally, even once you've been saved and once you're a child of God, day by day by day, where are you? Are you numbering yourself? Are you counting yourself there, dead to sin and alive unto him? Is he the one that's in control of your life? Can you look the devil in the face? Can you look that flesh in the face? Can you tell him, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't have to do that. You see, it's not a bind game to somehow we've got to continually convince ourselves. We've got to convince ourselves of something that's just a, a bunch of words and not something that's, that's real. You know, if God declares it, it is. It's not something, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or don't believe it, it is. We're looking at very simple words in God's Word. What is God saying about it? It simply has to be affirmed by your faith. <laughs> it's not a matter of whether it's real. It's not a matter of trying to make something real by faith, accepting what is real. God's Word is real. God is real. What He says is real. Do you believe it or do you not believe it? You see, verse 12 is result of verse 11. If you will reckon yourself, if you'll be numbered, if you'll count yourself to be dead in the, to, indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. you got a choice, it sounds like. You don't have to let this sin. If you'll count yourself and number yourself this reckoning is going to give us strength. Yes, the temptations are going to be there. You see, it's not a mind game. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Notice what he says there in verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Don't feel for a moment that what you're going through is unique to you. Oh, yeah, but man, they haven't had to fight this battle. They don't understand that. Don't, he says. No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. Others are going through the same thing now and in the past. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape 
that you may be able to bear it. He never promised that sin wouldn't be present in this world. He never promised. As a matter of fact, he's told you it is present in this world. It is present in your flesh. But you don't have to give in to it. If there's a temptation there, there's a way of escape. But the only way of escape is being alive in Jesus Christ. I'm like you. I look back and I don't know how I could have been so stupid. Some of the things that I've given into in my life, things that I've done and things that I've not done, we've all been there. Don't think that you're by yourself. But if it's going to change, if anything is going to be different between now and when the Lord returns, if anything is going to be different about 2018 than 2017, then I want to tell you here today, you need to know the truth of the matter. And you need to know the reality of your position as a Christian. But you're going to have to get beyond that. And it's going to have to be personal. And you're going to have to reckon, count, number yourself right there, dead indeed under that sin. You don't have to give in to that sin anymore. If that temptation comes, it can be real, it can be strong, it can be powerful. But you see, I know where the escape always is. It's not in my strength. It's in Him. There is a way of escape. There is a way to get out of it because the Lord lives with you. You're not going through this alone in your life. You see, that reckoning, that numbering, if you really consider yourself, yourself, not just somebody else, yourself, to be dead to that sin, no longer living there, no longer is He in control of your life, if you really believe that, it'll give you the strength when that temptation comes. It'll give you that confidence and security that comes in Christ and, and, and His grace alone. You know, we, we toss these words around, and, and I guess two of the words that we often use is like peace and grace, and, you know, may the, God's peace be with you. May God's grace be with you in this. But too often they're just words out there. They're not real in our own lives. The Apostle John, he said this in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus' word says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. We sing about that a while ago. Do you believe it? Or was it just words on the screen? Nobody can pluck you out of his hand. There is no scheme of man. There is no power of hell. You're in his hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. There is no power. There is nothing that's greater than Him. If you belong to Him, you're in His hand. There is nothing or anybody that can get you out of there. Do you know that? Are you counting yourself? Are you seeing yourself there in God's hand today? I know the world can get rough sometimes. I know the temptations can be strong. But don't see yourself out there. Is that being the thing in your life that's about to overtake you? See yourself in the hand of God. See yourself knowing that it's Him that's there, that you're in His hand, that those things don't. It'll give you that confidence. Notice what he says in the very next chapter. 
In John chapter 11, Jesus said in verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Do you believe that? That alive in him you'll never die. You're in Jesus Christ. I don't have one up here now. I, we, we, we looked at that thought of what it means to be in Christ one time. And I said, you know, like, like the Lord, it's just like, you know, right now I've got this, this offering bag here. And I can tell you that there's money in there. But you can't see it. All you can see is a bag. That's it. When you are in Christ, you see, look, Carl, you that 10-pound note right there. Now, if it's out here, you can see it. You can see him. But when it's in Christ, you don't see him anymore. You see Christ. Do you number yourself today? You've got to know the truth of the matter. And you've got to know that it's taken place in your life. But once you know that general knowledge that's true of every child of God, have you yourself numbered yourself in Christ in God's hand. Have you recognized where you are and do you see yourself there? I'm not talking about a mind game. I'm saying that's the reality. That's what God's Word says to us. Do you realize there is no other religion in all the world? There's a lot of good people and bad people that are following all kinds of religions out there. There's no other world there's no other religion in this world that can give you the kind of confidence in your life to live a life that's pleasing to God. The kind that can only come when you really number yourself and count yourself dead to sin, alive to Him. Alive in Jesus Christ today. That's who you are as his child. Daily. You know, I've said this before, and I'll just throw this in with no extra charge. You know, so many times we think we got to have more of the Spirit and more of the Spirit. There's a lot of, a lot of singing and preaching and teaching that that's all going to somehow you got to get more of him. Folks, you can't have more of him. You either got him or you don't have him. If you don't have him, then you need him in your life. There's only one place to get that, and that's at the foot of the cross, kneeling down and surrendering your life to Jesus Christ today. When you got him, you got him. He lives inside of you, and you've got all of him. And you need to realize that, and you need to recognize that, that it's God that's living inside of you. You are alive in him today. Now, we talked about in the beginning of this chapter the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being baptized into Jesus Christ, and this water baptism being a symbol of what people go through, picturing what's already taken place in our lives and in our hearts. You see, day by day, we're baptized into that Holy Spirit one time. If you're not baptized in the Spirit, you don't belong to God. But it's a day-by-day -day work to be filled with the Spirit. We're talking about 
him having control. And if you really want to hear more about that, you need to come back this evening. Make yourself present. We're going to be talking about that. But I want you to grasp right now that you have to daily count yourself, number yourself day by day. Day by day, you yield yourself to him. Day by day, you need to be filled with his spirit control. It's not you getting more of him that fills you. It's him getting more of you. He is there. How much of your life is he going to control? Are you still going to allow? Because it's not because you have to. You're going to allow the flesh to rule and reign your life. Then you're never going to be able to live the life that's pleasing to him. He's got to be the one that's on the throne. He's got to be the one that's reigning. Counting ourselves dead unto sin, alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Only then. Will our Lord be able to take and help us to be able to, to overcome those temptations, those trials, those things that will come? Yes, the devil loves for you to continue to sin. Everything about this chapter, should we still be sinning as Christians? God forbid, how dare we even think such a thing? Yes, we're not under the law. Thank God we're under grace. But just because we're not under the law, so that give us a license to sin so that God's grace may abound and be seen all the more? He said, how dare you even think such a thing? If you really are dead to sin, how can you still live there? How can you still let that? He said, you need to get past knowing, and you need to reckon and count yourself dead to that sin and alive to God. You've got to put yourself there in that place. That is the place that I want to encourage you this morning, that each and every one of you. This service is coming to a close. This service is about to be history. 2017 is already history. I want to leave you with these couple simple, simple thoughts today. Look, nobody in this world loves you like God loves you so much that he was willing to pay the ultimate price. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Now, you need to know this, that whoever you are and wherever you are, you need to know, you need to know that you've been baptized into him and therefore into his death. The only way you're going to get rid of the sin in your life is for it to be nailed to that cross with him. That's the only sufficient sacrifice. If you don't know that today, you got two choices this morning. You can just pretend and brush it off and leave out here the same lost sinner that you came in with sin still in control of your life. Or right here today, you can humble yourself as a sinner before him. And you can ask for that forgiveness that he can give. You can die to your sin right here this morning. You can die to that sin when Jesus nailed it to the cross 2,000 years ago. You've got to know that. That's true for everybody. If, if you will be baptized into Jesus Christ and therefore into his death and therefore be raised with him to newness of life, you're dead to that sin then. If you don't know that today, I want to ask you, why would you want to leave here? Why would you want to go through those doors? What is it in this world or in your life that you're willing to sacrifice eternity for? And if you are here as a child of God, hey, we've seen the Scriptures. 
If like me, when you look in the mirror, you still see a lot of things that you don't like. <laughs> Man, there's a long way, a long, long ways from being like my Savior. But that's who I want to be like. <laughs> that's who I want to. But see, if I've got any hope, if I've got any hope of my life this year, today, tomorrow, and however long we've got, none of us know, young or old, we see it time and time again. I had some time, you know, it's so hard. You don't expect a 34-year-old man to, to lose his life on a motorcycle. You don't expect that to happen. Sadly, I told Janet when she called, I said, you know, I said, when I saw all the missed calls because my phone was still on silent from church Wednesday night and, and all these calls, and I finally recognized my phone was vibrating, and I picked it up and I saw all these calls, and I'll be honest with you, I figured something had happened to Glenn because he's the older guy. He's had health problems. He's struggling with things. And that was my first fear. Oh, no, something's happened to Brother Glenn. But I didn't even expect to hear the news that I got. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying, wake up, folks. I don't care how young or how old you are. You don't know if you've got the rest of this day, let alone tomorrow. I've lost a lot of my friends when I was a youngster and all through my life, younger than me and older than me, and you have too. And it goes on. That's the wages of sin. That's where this mortal flesh in its sin is going, every one of them. But you can leave here today knowing that the real you that lives in this old sinful flesh, that it has died to that sin, that it's been raised with Jesus Christ, that you can live in Him. 2018 can be different, not if you set the path, if you decide what's going to go and what's going to stay and what's going to change and what's not. But if you'll number yourself right there, dead to Him but alive in Christ, <laughs> right there, the palm of the Father's hand, <laughs> nobody able to get to you. Number yourself in that place that only you can be in Jesus Christ. Not people seeing you, but seeing the Christ that you're in. Christians, you know you're a child of God today. You know, you're going to heaven. We've read several passages there this morning. You know, he gives you eternal life. But is that all, that's, is that, all that really matters? Is your life going to really count or matter? I'm just saying, hey, this is God's Word. They can show all of us here today. You see, I don't just want it for me. I want it for you. I want it for our church. With all of our mess-ups and all of our failings and all of our sinning, I want people to somehow through it all, see more of Christ in me this year. I want them to see more of Christ in you. I want them to see more of Christ in this church. I want to see God's work done. But it's got to get past. We've got to know the things of God. But it's going to get personal. And today, where are you at? Where are you counting yourself? Where are you numbering yourself in this world, in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? God willing. You're going to come back this evening. I'm going to talk about another thing because the other word in there is yielding. You're going to yield yourself to somebody and something this year. Who is it that you're going to give in to? But you see, before you get to that, you got no choice in the yielding if you don't first know these things and if you don't first count and number yourself right there in it. Father, I thank you this morning. I don't know the hearts of anybody. I didn't even know, Lord. I didn't even know that I was going to be going this direction. The Lord, you began that journey with us last week. But, Lord, I pray with all my heart 
that you will help us not just to see and know these words on a page. Thank you, God, for telling us and giving us the knowledge that we can know what really takes place when we give our lives to you, when we become your child. But, Lord, today I want you to help this preacher and help those that are willing here today to reckon themselves, to count themselves personally in this number. Count them to be dead unto sin, not having to let that sin reign in this mortal flesh anymore, but alive, alive in Jesus Christ, alive unto you, Lord, that we might truly, that we might truly somehow, even as this passage says to us today, Lord, that we will allow righteousness to take us to holiness, that that will be the path that we need, servants to righteousness, not servants to this flesh, servants to this body, servants to this world, servants to righteousness unto holiness. Work in hearts as only you can. Do the work that only you can do, and may it be for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.